You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, we got CarCast coming up, and we're definitely going to deep dive into uh, to the Bronco, the Bronco Sport, the full-size Bronco, and we're going to touch a little bit on the Jeep Wrangler with the V8 engine, with the Hemi engine in it. Uh, before we get started, a word from our friends at Meguiar's. You know, car waxes have come a long way, and last year, Meguiar's introduced their hybrid ceramic spray wax. It's their advanced SIO2 hybrid technology. It delivers ceramic wax uh, protection and durability. There's no rubbing, curing, or buffing needed. It provides extreme water beating action. It's fantastic. And this year... Meguiar's launched their liquid version. It seals the paint for long-lasting protection against the elements. It's easy to use and apply like a traditional liquid wax. Furthermore, they've also come out with their hybrid ceramic spray detailer. This is great in between the real... uh, 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 full version. It removes contaminants like dust, fingerprints, bird droppings, and boosts gloss and enhances protection. It's a ceramic... Uh, the hybrid ceramic spray detailer. It's uh, it's ceramic made easy. It's from Meguiar's and it's available at pretty much all, all auto parts stores. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator. DeAndrea here with Bill Goldberg and... Uh, we're going to have a good show for you today, and of course, we're going to be talking about Bronco. It's going to be uh, uh, something that we're going to have to talk about. You can hear uh, Alistair, Alistair Weaver's going to be with us. I didn't us. know you had kids. Hey, he's got the one kid. And, and so today's yeah. guests are Alistair oh, Weaver, Alistair's his, kid. Alistair Weaver oh. and his little daughter are our guests today. <laughs> it's, it's Alistair Weaver. He's, he's one year old, and the builder's outside the window, I think, as well. So welcome to um, welcome to COVID land in Cal- Southern California. <laughs> um, yeah, COVID uh, land in Texas is I'm upstairs in Gage's, Gage's video game room because of the landscapers downstairs and my son running throughout the house. Oh, I was, I was going to so, say yes. you finally Maybe. gave in to the heat. And you had to come inside no, no. to do the, to do the well, yeah, the well, yes and no, but that 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 no, yeah, that just yeah, it's <laughs> it's hundred and five, yeah, I would Jeez. I could succumb to it, but that's not the reason why I'm inside right now. Uh, all right, before we get started, a reminder from our friends at Dodge: it's time for Dodge Power Dollars. That means for each horsepower, you get ten dollars off your purchase on a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. So come in for Dodge Power Dollars today and get a pretty sweet deal. All right, so uh, of course the whole uh, the whole world seems to be buzzing, at least in, in America, uh, about the new Ford Bronco, the new Ford Broncos. Uh, we've got three models in unlimited configurations. Uh, we're going to have to talk about this. Um, I will say first of all, uh, kudos to Ford for a very well done launch. And a product that seems to be really resonating with people, uh, I, you know, you know, look, I, I think it looks pretty good. I think the options are cool. Uh, I think we're going to run into one or two items that we're going to nitpick that uh, that we that we don't like. But the general consensus is is, hey man, this is fun and it's going to be pretty cool and it's going to be, oh geez, it's going to be the most modified vehicle at SEMA, if not this year, the next year. Uh, and and for good reason, right? So uh, let's get into it a little bit. Uh, Alistair, you guys have had a chance to... Have you been in the vehicle or seen it or people on your team have, have seen it, filmed with it? What have you guys done? You guys get a little bit uh, uh, ahead of the rest of us in this on, on this type of stuff. Yeah, thanks, mate. We actually went out to, to to Detroit and managed to get to Detroit and, and to spend some time um, physically with the vehicle. We put a, a film live on Monday, which is just gone on the when the launch broke. We basically went went live with our content, and it's been insane. We were trending number three on YouTube, and that's not number three on YouTube for automotive. That's everything: Kim Kardashian, WWE, whatever you like. Number <laughs> three on YouTube. We did half a million views in a day. Wow, fantastic! So it's, I mean, obviously great for us, but other people are doing well as doing well as well. There's just so much interest, 
I mean, I think the only thing that I can compare it with is maybe C8 Corvette got a lot of initial interest. But even that, I think because it's a more of a specialist sort of supercar, this um, the Bronco's gone mad. It's, it's, I can't think of another vehicle that has created this much attention in such a short space of time. So the, where I got jammed up a little bit as far as information, and I, there's a lot out there, was they did a big online presentation last week, last Wednesday, just prior to me coming in the studio here. And they only got about halfway through Bronco two-door and four-door and it was an hour long before I had to stop and come in here and do the show. So I missed part of their presentation and all of the Broncos Sport presentation. Now, of course, we've gotten a lot of information since then and, and the embargoed press releases and photos and all that stuff. But uh, there's definitely some things that I'm sure are out there that uh, that we don't that I don't know yet or some things that you guys know. But uh, just to back up a little bit, let's just do a quick overview of what it is. Uh, Ford's uh, Bronco, they are offering a two-door and a four-door Bronco, uh, which are essentially, I don't know what we're calling them, full-size Broncos. It's a, it's a, it's a, a chassis, a body-on-chassis Bronco. And then the Bronco Sport is only a four-door and it's sort of uh, an off-road version of the Ford Escape, if you will. It's built on the small unibody chassis, um, I think, which looks significantly better than a Ford Escape. I think it's really going to hurt Ford Escape sales. Uh, but the reason why we have three variations of this is, is Ford is continuing with this strategy of sub-brands and building more within that sub brand. They want Mustang to be a brand with, you know, EcoBoost and GT500 and Mach E and Mach 1 and and so they're going to have a bunch there uh uh within that umbrella of Mustang and Bronco essentially is what they want to do as well. So we have two door, we have four door and Bronco Sport, right? <clears throat> um yes. Yeah. So let's let's start with uh with Bronco uh uh the two door and the four door because uh that's where all of the buzz is right now. I'll be curious to see uh where the reservations are going. They opened up reservations, a hundred dollars to get your name on the list um for for, for the uh, for the vehicles. How many two doors versus four doors versus sport are being sold and what are Ford's predictions on those? That would be Interesting. I don't know if you have any insight into that type of stuff, uh, but uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I the two-door looks so good. Is it going to be practical, or is everyone going to buy the four-door? I guess one of my questions for you, at uh, uh, Alistair, would be, in the world of Jeep, how many four-door Jeeps do they sell versus two-door Jeeps? You know? Do you, do you know what? I don't know off the top of my head, but I, I, I thinking it's now um, it's now weighted towards the four door, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's that classic thing. You look at the two door and say that looks really cool, and you know if that was my toy car for a weekend, I'd have the two door. But actually, if I'm going to use this thing and I've got a family or I want a bit of extra space, you might as well get the four door. And certainly in the case of the Jeep, it doesn't really make that much difference off road. And I think it would be the same same with the Bronco. It was interesting with the reservations. I actually put my, I threw my hundred dollars into into the ring and strategically went for the first edition because I figured it would be first. But what they're allowing you to do down the line is actually to to, to swap about what you're actually ordering. So it was all about just getting your name down and, and taking it from there. Bill, what what are your initial thoughts? What you've seen so far? I think they've done a, from what we've seen, I think they've done a tremendous job. I think, it, I mean, you say it looks pretty good. I think it looks fantastic, both inside and out. And it's interesting what Ford, you know, we, we've had some slightly mundane mainstream products from Ford, like the Explorer, but their sort of brand strategy stuff, like the uh, electric Mustang, uh, they wanted it in Marky, and the, um, <laughs> and then the, uh, and, and then these Broncos look, look look terrific. They've really given the designers the head. They seem not only is it designed well, there's lots of clever tech um, designed for the market. So, you know, we're, we're really excited about it. And, you know, we, obviously it's a big rival to the Wrangler, which we also enjoy. And the other one that I, I would be, if I was Land Rover right now, looking at the Defender, which is going to be more expensive, 
uh, this is a pretty big shot across the bows of the defender as well. Do you, do you think so, really, because people want a defender to be a a more stripped down utilitarian vehicle. Uh, I mean, the Land Rover brand is is higher end. It, they've they've definitely made themselves up up market. Like even now, the full size Range Rover. What's the spread on that thing? Like I don't know, eighty thousand on the low end and over two hundred thousand for the autobiography for the SV. Like you could, that's a pretty big spread on one type of vehicle, right? Yeah, I mean, Defender's going to start about 50, so it's going to be above Bronco. But, I mean, the Bronco, like the first edition is 60 thousand dollars You know, I think a lot of Broncos will be changing hands for, for $50,000 plus because I think, you know, people will it, – it's going to be that kind of vehicle that you want the toys that people say, I want a bit of this, I want a bit of that, and I want the, you know, the fancy diffs and the fancy, the fancy shocks. And, yeah, from what we've seen, and we spent some – I say we spent some time with the vehicle. We haven't – obviously haven't driven it yet. Nobody has – uh, but assuming that it drives as well as it looks, and that they, you know, they've had the Jeep to benchmark, so it would be odd if it didn't drive at least as well, but be better than the uh, than the Wrangler. Then I think they've got a big hit on their hands. Uh, Bill, what are your initial thoughts on it? Because I know it caught your attention as well. Oh man! Oh, here we go. Okay, nice <laughs> setup. Well, you know, as the, as the uh, preeminent Dodge guy, I, I have to say, as a personal case study, um, I, I was I was uh, I had to be really careful when I walked this line. I was enthralled with the way they presented. It. Yeah. Um, as a guy who's you know, I, I've got one of the most famous Dodge or one of the most famous Fords in the world. I work for Dodge. That's right. The but I have car. I have I have cars of all uh, different manufacturers, right? Um, I am a car guy, true and true. And when there's something put out there by any manufacturer that catches my attention, you know, it's it's it, it has. To, I give it some 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 weight, right? Well, man, you know, <clears throat> was I the only one that didn't hear sound on the presentation? First of all, uh, I I don't know. I I. I did. I did see uh, the the embargoed presentation that I saw. The sound did work, but there are some videos that they put out that's just B roll for for companies to edit in, which does not have sound. So, gotcha. Well, maybe you saw some. Of that. I, I, you know, the the case study in in real time was that I went on the live um, announcement, you know, on YouTube on mm-hmm. Ford's channel. And uh, didn't get any sound on that. And then uh, it looked like it crashed once or twice, maybe because I live in the middle of nowhere. But that led me to uh, be advent- take, the, take the time to be advantageous to go to their site and to get one of the reservations, right? Um, whether I'm a Dodge guy or not, I mean, like I said, a cool vehicle is the cool vehicle. So what's 100 bucks? You put your name down, and then, you know, four months later, you, you customize the vehicle any way you want, and, then, and, it's, and it's fully refundable. I basically took part in it as a case study to see how Ford was doing it, especially during these coronavirus times. And we've talked about that in, in past episodes. And I, I, I got to say, I was I was highly impressed on how they did. It. I really was. Um, I, I still truly believe that if it's done on network television in conjunction with on the internet, it's it's much better in the you know, you don't have much chance of it crashing on network television. Although, yes, it's going to be more expensive, but you're going to hit many more people. But I was just curious as to the way that I, I couldn't pass judgment on something unless I was fully knowledgeable and I wanted to take part in the entire situation. And, and I got sucked in. So yeah. I, I think they did a great job. It's a, it's a good-looking vehicle with, with um, unlimited ability to customize it the way you, the consumer wants. So, uh, you know. I, I think that's that, that, that's an unbelievable way to to advertise the thing. Well, I, it, it was kind. Of, sorry, Matt. I, I was go ahead and then I'll I'll, I'll jump in. But uh, sure. No, I was just saying it was really interesting how Ford handled it as well. Because now we're moving to a world, you know, where we ordered it online. You put your hundred dollar within like half an hour. I'd had an email, like a generic email, from the local dealer. I then had a personalized email from a local dealer. Then yesterday, and you, you'll enjoy this, Mark. Yesterday, I got a call from uh, Dale at South Bay, uh, South Bay Ford in in, um, in in Manhattan Beach, where I live. And they um, 
And he called me up, talked about the order, said, well, we're going to be a few months away. And then completely unprompted, said, we are not going to try and charge you a markup on this vehicle. Oh, my this God. Oh, my God. And I was a, like, that's the I best got the same ever. phone call within five seconds of me clicking, you know, the, the order button. Yeah. I got the email immediately. And then, you know, just a little footnote, you can only reserve two of them per person. And the first first editions are already sold out. Now, did they I, tell I, you? I, I got a first edition. <laughs> like <go>. I said. <laughs> did, uh, Bill, did anybody, when you spoke to anybody, did they say anything about pricing or markup? No, no, they I didn't. didn't speak to them. You know me. I'm not going to yeah. return the phone call until it's time to order the car. But the fact is that, you know, they followed up immediately. Yeah. It was it was an immediate, Let, it was like, like a I, domino effect. I think, I think Ford did a great job with the launch, and it's getting a lot of buzz. And I think... The the single greatest way to flub this whole thing is for, to have the vehicle suck. And no, for for dealers to just do the the, the markups. I mean, it, it's thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar vehicles, depending on the options. If they're going to start throwing ten, twenty thousand dollar markups on them, uh, it's going to put a damper on all of those pre sales for sure. And Ford wants to sell these things, so uh, there's not going to be a shortage of them. And guys, you know how I feel about markup. I mean, look at the Toyota Supra. That thing came out; it was great. People were paying ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars over sticker, and then. In the second year, they gave it basically a fifty horsepower bump. So you guys just paid a bunch of extra money for a car that's nowhere nowhere near as good as the second gen, as a second, not even second gen, the second year. So uh, I don't know. So I, I, not to, to harp on that too much, but I like the sort of two school of thoughts that we have going on here between you two guys, Alistair and Bill. Alistair, you ordered one, which I assume is as fully loaded as you can possibly get it or close to it. Uh, whereas, Bill, uh, we were talking before and you were saying you were you were more interested in a stripped down version of it because you want to do your own thing. You, you, you're you're more of the SEMA build type of guy where, you know, Alistair, what you're testing, I guess, makes more sense. Like, what does it come with off-road shocks? Does it come with, you know... You know what? What features are available? Uh, you know, well, from I the mean, my, my 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 situation and my my desires and, and the usefulness of the vehicle is a completely different story than Alistair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I, I I I buy vehicles so that I can personalize them to my liking and make them as far away from the norm as humanly possible. Um, and and it seems as if the, you're not missing anything by purchasing a base model. You know, i.e. look at the off-road ability that you're able to selectorize on that the Sasquatch package. I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit here and go into it because I don't know the exact details, but it seems like the bitch and off-road uh, checkbox you have to hit, and it's available on the base model. It comes on the first edition, but it's available as an option on the base model. So, um it's a, I'll be honest, it's I was completely big. different ways of thinking. You know, I, I, hey, given all the amount of money in the world, you know, and spending frivolously, I would have grabbed the first edition, first of all, and put it away and uh, sold it, you know, 30 years down the road. But um, I, I want something for function right now. And if the toy is going to be as cool as it's professed, then I, I think it's a, it's a must have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be honest, I was being strategic because I reckon that the first edition might be first. Absolutely. Um, and professionally, I kind of wanted to get into it as quickly. I mean, we'll drive the press cars, we'll do the launch and everything else, but I thought it'd be great to own one of these things. We own a Wrangler, we've just done 50,000 miles in a Wrangler. We've just done a, a film about what it's like to live with for that time, and that's a key part of what we do. So I think if it was me, I always like play the spec game. You see, it's almost as much fun as like doing Porsche's configurator. So I would probably have had a Badlands, which is like the extreme off-roader, but not the sort of one for the desert. So that's probably what I would have been choosing. But the first edition was just a strategic choice because I figured we'd get it first. There's um, different modes of modes of operation, no question. I mean, I thought that at the same time. But, you know, when you can get something... Uh, when you can get, uh, you know, obviously the cheapest base model possible and have all the options available to it to build it up like these others, then, um, you know, you can, you can pick and choose. And it's, it, it, it's like, uh, building a, building a Lego, like we talked earlier. And so it's, it's really cool to be able to personalize it into the way that they've been able to do it. 
Do you know do you know what I love about that base model as well? Not only is it a good price, but it's got steely wheels. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> what I what I don't like um is that the two mo- the two power plants that are offered the the 2.7 doesn't come with the seven speed manual. Yeah. So I, it's, it's not an option. So. I want to get into that. I want to start getting into some of the specs about the engine and transmission options, and then we'll dig into some of the other features. We do know that. But, le- but, but let me be clear before anything moves any further, the TRX is going to absolutely destroy this vehicle when it comes out. So this is just to bide my time until Dodge releases <laughs> this damn truck in a couple months. Um, so don't think by any stretch of the imagination that Ford swayed me in any way. I just like cool little toys. And yeah, that's what it is well, compared to everything that Dodge puts out. So let's. I just wanted to set the record straight before it went any further. <laughs> I did enjoy Ford. I did enjoy Jeep kind of quietly slipping. Well, not quietly making players <laughs> slipping out of V8. A V8 Wrangler the day before Bronco goes live. I don't think it. I don't think they quite achieved what they were hoping to do and steal the limelight. But uh, it was kind of fun. Was, I enjoy that sort of thing. Now, and if we have time at the end of this, I want to talk a little bit about the V8 Wrangler. Um, but before we get into the specs, let me just uh, hit our friends at uh, at Geico. So right now, Geico is offering an extra fifteen percent on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's fifteen percent on top of the money Geico could already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? Your dog to make breakfast in bed? Well. That's not going to happen. But saving money can. There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Visit geico.com to learn more. All right. So what are the engine options for the full size and the sport and the transmission options? Do we have some of that information, Alistair? Uh, Yeah, we do. I'm just pulling it up, Matt, just so I don't make any... um any mistakes with this so you start off with the 2.3 liter EcoBoost, which has the seven speed manual or the 10 speed um auto and then as an option you go to the 2.7 liter eco boost which is only available with the 10 speed auto to be honest we're seeing this a lot at the moment and some of it might be driven by marketing they'll have done their research and tried to discover what people want but then also, it's to do with what manual boxes people have to handle the power and torque that modern engines are generating. I drove a Mini GP a couple of weeks ago, and that had an auto simply because BMW doesn't make a box for a transverse engine that can handle 300, 300 pounds feet. So, you know, there's a bit of there'd be a bit of that in the thinking: Are people actually going to buy it, or are people like us just going to talk about buying it but not actually do so? Um, I don't know. I mean, I like him. I love him, a, a stick shift. But if I was doing proper off-roading now, I'd go with the auto. Yeah, and it seems it's like a bit less fun. But. It, it seems like because that's the engine option that you want. Now, the seven-speed manual in the smaller. I think the three. Uh, I'm sorry, the two point seven and the two point three. The two point seven is what three ten horsepower, four hundred pound feet of torque, only ten speed transmission. Uh, I don't know what the horsepower is on the 2.3, but the seven-speed transmission, to your point, Ford, of course, people are going to say, hey, Ford has plenty of manual transmissions, uh, The uh, especially in the Mustang lineup. They can handle the horsepower. But this seven-speed transmission, the seventh gear is not an overdrive gear, I believe. It is a rock crawler gear. So it's a six-speed with, with a rock crawler gear. Am, am I right about this? Yeah, that's right. So it's 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 like the inverse of what we used to have as an overdrive in yeah. the old days. Yeah, so you have this like little little off-road, which kind of, I suppose, talks to the point I was making about why automatics can make a lot of sense off-road when you, you know, you try and manage throttle control and let, letting the, the electronics work with you rather than uh, rather than hinder you. Yeah, I have the horsepower figures, Matt, just, just on the 2.3, 270 horsepower for the 2.3, 310 horsepower for the 2.7. So it's not a... It's not a big jump, but the torque goes up quite significantly. Three ten pounds feet for the two point three, uh, four hundred pounds feet for the two point seven. So it's the torque that you really gain from when you get a bigger yeah. engine. Now, of course, because we're talking about EcoBoost engines, there's turbos there, and and they've they've been out for a while in several other vehicles. Uh, you know, we're 
it's it's easy to turn up the wick a little bit in in either one of these engine configurations between handheld tuners and and exhaust and 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 you know even turbo upgrades. I, I think you could easily see you know twenty thirty percent bumps, uh, no problem, all day long. I, I imagine that three ten horsepower. I bet if you just bought a tuner for five or six hundred bucks and even ran a ninety one octane tune, I bet you pick up. I would bet you'd pick up 35 to 40 horsepower and about 60 pound-feet of torque. Off the top of my head, I'd say 60, maybe in as high as 80. And on a 93 tune, maybe even more uh, on that. So I, I think I think, your, I think your 310 horsepower could be 340 to 380 all day long, depending on the octane and the tune, if you want to get into that, right? And. And well, Bill, we know you will because that's that's the whole that's the whole that's the whole point. But uh, 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 now, as far as suspension that you know of, now we Ford's presentation was a lot about personalization, and that's what the consumers really love. That's what we love to see. Uh, it's it's cool the way they put this together. The vehicle is almost like Legos. Like everything is is just a few bolts away from swapping. Fender flares and doors are on and off, and roof are on and off, and hoods and grills and and all the cool stuff you can bolt on and off. Which also makes it so much easier for the aftermarket to say, hey, you want to swap a grill and do something more aggressive or something with more air or something for a different temperature or something in the snow. Like you can do all of these things. But what's underneath? The, the 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 chassis of of the full size two door and four door. It the videos look fantastic. I see some rock crawling and I see some high speed off road running of those vehicles. Uh, but what are you, what are your thoughts on it, Alistair? Um, I think they've been really canny. I think they just looked at the market, recognized how much success Wrangler has with you know with with the aftermarket, but also how much money you know Mopar themselves make out of out of all the bits. So what they what they offering from the outset is you know if you go for the Badlands you get different Bilstein uh, suspension if you go for the you know, if you go for the uh, what's it called not the Wild Track the um, there there was a Sasquatch uh, right and, yeah and there's, there's something Sasquatch, else there's all sorts of different <clears throat> tires different things so so Ford's already packaging it up like this but then of course they're making it you know this whole new word isn't it modularity yeah and what I really like is. I mean, I've tried to take the the roof off a Wrangler and things like that. It's not straightforward. Whereas what they seem to have done here is is been really clever with some of the detailing. So the doors come off with one bolt. I mean, we'll wait to see how easy this is in reality. But they say it comes off with one bolt. You take the door off and you can store it in the truck. Now that's great because that means you can drive up the highway with the doors on and keep, keep yourself safe and out out of the wind. And then when you go on the trail, you can take the door off and sling it in the trunk. Mm-hmm. If it's as easy as that, fantastic. I also think they, they've really gone a bit like we saw this a little bit with the uh, the Mackie as well in the, the attention to detail on the little there's these little nuts inside which you can basically use I believe an Allen key just to, to unscrew and then take parts off the vehicle even like things like the handrails you can take off and they're actually branded up in the same way that the Ford World War Two Jeeps were because um, yeah. you remember back in World War Two Ford actually built what we kind of think of as Willis Jeeps. And in order to identify it as a Ford, they actually branded up some of the um, the nuts and bolts, and they copied that across in the Bronco. And I love the fact that a brand like Ford is now, you know, employing these kind of little tricks and details and sort of surprise and delight stuff. It's great. Yeah, in in their presentation, they spoke about that, and and the only way to pitch it was they literally just said Jeep. It's like when we did Jeeps, when we did World War II Jeeps, we had an F for Ford stamped on the the head of each one of the bolts. So now the Bronco will have Bronco step stamped onto the head of all of those bolts. Um, let's talk a little bit about Bronco Sport. Uh, I think we're all sort of. Uh, glossing over Bronco Sport, but it definitely has the potential to to sell a lot. Like if you're going to go onto the lot and just get yourself a, a nice four door compact SUV, steady driving, but you want it to stand out a little bit, uh, I, I think Bronco Sport is is an interesting option. What is the engine in it, and what do we know about it? So this is basically the the Bronco Sport. And, and you're quite right. It's the Bronco itself that's been getting all the um, all the attention. But Bron- Bronco Sport just sits on on what is an escape chassis. And when you look at the interior, it's much more of a kind of traditional, 
what we might expect is like a family family SUV. So you don't get all the, the tricks and the toys that you would in the in the bigger Bronco. But they're doing a similar thing to, I think, what like Honda did with the, the, the Passport, where they already had the CRV and the Pilot. Then they create the Passport as a sort of blend of the two, which is, you know, has reasonable off-road capability and is a bit more fun, um, but is relatively easy to do because you've already got all the hardware bits from, from elsewhere. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they kind of pitch. Because you're right, the Escape is fine. You know, it's uh, it's fine, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's not our favorite. It's not our favorite small SUV, and the Bronco is going to have pretty much do the same job, but have so much more personality and uh, and interest. Why release a Bronco Sport at the same time in virtually the same presentation as the full size Bronco? Does it? Why not yeah, space that uh, out? <laughs> I think they're trying to make the point. It's what we came back to earlier about this idea that they're not launching a car, they're launching a brand. And they're also pushing really hard this kind of like community of online, you know, Bronco people and merchandise and try, you know, driver training where you can go to an off, you can go to an off-road Bronco school, a bit like Land Rover does with his experience centers. So the, the, I think they're trying to say, look, this is not just a car. This is a, this is a brand. I mean, if you get that many several years ago, Ford owned Jaguar, Land Rover, Aston Martin, Mazda. Uh, you know, it goes on and it goes on and on. And then there was a decision when you know they hit, hit difficult times to so basically jettison all those other brands. And this is almost a way with Lincoln, with Bronco, with Mustang, with Ford of trying to go back to that brand strategy, recognizing that you know maybe you know a slightly more affluent younger audience isn't going to buy isn't necessarily going to buy the blue oval but will get excited by a bronco what is going to be the base price of bronco sport so bronco sports in the mid 20s um engines again this gives you a sense of where they're pitching it one and a half liter eco with 181 horsepower um and then a two liter eco boost with 245 horsepower so it's a it's a sort of baby more mainstream bronco it would be fascinating long term to see how the sales settle down because this will be a nice fun everyday car for people and the bigger bronco will be a whole different audience about off-road and modifying and spending a load of money so you know it'd be interesting in a couple of years time to see how the uh, how the sales uh, how the sales land and also how it affects escape and things like that and, you know, for, for, for both of you guys, from what you have seen of the vehicles so far, are there any particular features that are standout uh, that uh, you thought were, were, were making the most sense or the most attractive? Certainly in the presentation that I watched, <coughs> excuse me, some of the things that I saw, were even small things, uh, I think this... This this accessory bar that's going across the length of the dash that you can remove and add to, and then it's basically a slider, if you will, and you can mount anything uh, you want, right? You can put GoPro cameras, you can put iPhones up there, you can move them all, anywhere up and down the dash that you want them to, slide them across the dash back and forth, and by essentially having this accessory bar, of course, immediately... Every company out in the aftermarket is going to go, hey, you know, we can put lights here. We can put GPS stuff. We can put, you know, your phones and different attachments and, and speakers and notepads. And, like, having that accessibility bar up there I thought was a very simple yet smart accessory. Is there anything that you guys have seen that, that stood out to you as well? I haven't jumped into it that that, you know – that much mm-hmm. uh, detail oriented by any stretch. I mean, the Sasquatch package absolutely sticks out in my mind. Anytime you can order a package, you know, straight from the factory and it includes 35s, that's got to be a serious package that they're talking about, right? Yeah. So was, uh, I, don't, I don't know what else the package offers, but, uh, you know, it's got me saying Sasquatch 15 times in the last 24 hours. So I guess, <laughs> you know, their, their mode of operandi as far as advertising has worked in that respect. Yeah. And, and Alistair, your, your point to the, 
the doors being removed easily, they can go in a bag in in separate bags and go into the back area of the vehicle. And if I if if I heard it correctly in the presentation, to make it easier, you you essentially use the bag as the way of removing the door. That's the tool. Like you un, you undo one bolt or whatever it's going to take, but the bag has handles. You can basically wrap the door and then use it as a lift right off of there. So you don't have to put the bag on the ground and take the door off and try to put it in the bag by yourself and then zip it up and whatever. Like you basically just do it all at one shot while it's on there and then you can throw them in the back. So I thought that was another cool feature. I have one more edge as well, which I, I think Land Rover's missed the trick of not having this on the Defender because it was something that the original Range Rover had back in 1970, I want to say, which is a little... Um, valve or a little tap in the floor of the vehicle which allows you to hose out the interior yeah drain plugs yeah. drain plugs that's that's what that's that's the expression i was looking for. <laughs> yep. yeah dra- drain plugs in there i just think that's so cool because and it's just so practical particularly you know you, you, if you've got kids and all the rest of it then it, you know stuff gets thrown around just be able to hose it out and there's something wonderfully kind of utilitarian about getting a hose pipe out and just just wiping you know washing down the interior and yeah, I just think that, that there's so much, you know, I, I'm really excited to spend proper time with it because there is so much attention to detail in this vehicle. It's really impressive. Yeah, that's actually a, a pretty good point as well. Um, they they are doing some different materials on the inside, uh, on the seats and stuff. And then, of course, a lot of the switch gear up on the dash for the different modes and stuff are basically rubber-coated or covered buttons. And it does allow you to to kind of, I, I mean, for lack of a better term, hose this thing out, you know, certainly hit it with a little bit of water. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure there's a limitation as to how long you can stand there with the hose blaring onto the onto the gauges but uh but it does make it a lot easier to to clean that thing out and pull a plug in the floor and just let the water drain out and and if you need in to in this you know. day and age ease of operation means everything whether it's a phone whether yeah. it's a car or whether it's an iPad it doesn't matter that's the that's the world that we live in and when you hearken upon the tradition of what the bronco had and you couple that with the ability to put a vehicle out and you know make advancements that they've made and still give the consumer uh something that they can personalize more so than any other vehicle Mm -hmm. and and tap into the lineage of it i I think it's a pretty smart way of advertising do you know what the big loser in all of this is is gm I've been getting a lot of chat on social media yeah. about and Blazer was one of the most disappointing vehicles I've oh, driven God, in the past yes. couple of years. And you just think it, you know, you Ford at least on the face of it seemed to have seemed to have nailed it with with how they pitched this vehicle and obviously we're yet to drive it. But when you compare the opportunity that, that Ford's had here with the Bronco and what GM had with with Blazer and just came back with a really lackluster sort of generic SUV. It's, it's it's fascinating. I mean, Jeep's got to be sitting there thinking, you know, this is a big challenge for us. Land Rover's got to be sitting there thinking, how the hell are we going to charge a premium for Defender when this thing looks so cool and does everything that it does? And then you've got Gem sitting there thinking, we've got no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool because it sets the, sets the stage. You know, the, 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 yeah. the next manufacturer's got to one-up them. And let's see what they got, you know? So it uh, it improves the 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 setting for the consumer at the end of the day. So, I mean, we're going to do, uh, without giving the game a go, go away, we're going to do, um, we're going to be doing Defender versus uh, Wrangler and, and Forerunner and then also probably Land Cruiser as well. And then there's going to be this big elephant in the room. So in a year's time, we can kind of go back and, and do it again with, uh, with Bronco. It's going to be a really exciting year. Yeah, it's going to be pretty. It's uh, interesting for sure. And you're right to 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 your point about GM. They don't really have much of an off road competitor. Like on some level, there's a version of Colorado, uh, the 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 truck. That, yeah, the too. Yeah, yeah. That um, is is playing in that space, but uh, you know, and also Ford's. Um, I don't know if it was an announcement or just rumor or whatever, but uh, we touched on it a little bit. I think last week about Ford also. 
possibly bringing Ranger Raptor to the United States now. Uh, it wasn't available here. It wasn't planning on being available, but now they're saying possibly in a year it could be available. Um, and the reason why uh, that speculation was interesting is because of all the different variations of Bronco, uh, I believe there's some shared technology or the platform or chassis or something could be with Ranger. And now they're saying, well, if Ranger Raptor is this great kind of high-speed uh, off-road you know, truck like the full-size Raptor is, what about – you know, in a year or two from now, a, you know, Bronco Raptor or whatever they're going to call it, you know, some sort of, you know, high speed version. Sure, of they that. already got it. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know. I think they'll be, I think the performance, the full performance will be, will be all over this, particularly if when Jeep comes out with a V8 Wrangler. Uh, because ultimately, Ford wants the money. They don't want to give the money away to all the aftermarket. You know, they need a, they need a Mopar equivalent because as we all know, there's tons of margin in that stuff. You know, there was a time I spoke to Ford many years ago, and there was a time where uh, somebody w- was a little hesitant with the aftermarket in the Ford world. They were saying, hey, you know, you you buy a Mustang or an F-150 and and you buy it in the variations that they offer it and that's it. And then uh, and Ford Performance Catalog, the parts catalog. You know, always around, always did well, but didn't feel like it was getting quite the support that it could have gotten from the brand. And then there was a little bit of change in in, in staffing over there, and somebody else came into Mustang and Ford Performance and said, uh, hey, we're in the business of, of selling cars on the Mustang side. So if if people want to personalize their car and that helps us sell cars, then we're all for it. So now we're going to support that initiative. And and you ended up seeing a lot more parts available and cool stuff being developed in the Ford Performance Parts catalog. Uh, and now they're sort of embracing two sides of it. Ford Performance is going, yes, we want to make a bunch of parts and make it available, like Broncos, dealer accessories, accessories and things like that. Uh and the, the catalog, the aftermarket catalog. But now they're saying, but, hey, if you don't buy Ford Performance Parts and you want to go buy Magnaflow exhaust and HRE wheels, you still got to buy a vehicle to put it on. And as long as that's a Ford, it's all still part of the, the game, right? All of these car manufacturers should should pay attention to that as well. Listen, I know there's some car manufacturers that own several brands, and they don't like it when one brand puts their peanut butter and the other brand's chocolate. And you know what I'm saying? Like, they're all owned by the same company, but <laughs> but they don't want to mix their peanut butter and chocolate together and make something delicious and sweet. And, uh, and, and, and I don't, and I'm not quite you sure. You make it why. sound so easy. Uh, yeah. It, it's just, you know, yeah. like, listen, even in your world uh, of testing, you know, does, does, uh, you know, because we're on the topic of, of Ford and, and, and Dodge, I, I just don't see a lot of comparisons of, of Jeep Trackhawk versus, you know, uh, Hellcat, uh, Charger, because I don't think they want those to be, drag raced in the same video right because they're they're trying to position themselves differently uh it's a weird dynamic it very it very much is and you and yeah. i tell you what it's it's no it's it's not on display any better than at sema mm-hmm. <laughs> i think i have a word so for you, though, strange. I, yeah i have a word for you that i think i think talks to a lot of this which is liability you know, they, it, it's all about, if you're an OEM, then you have to honor the, the warranty. I actually shot a, I might have mentioned this before, but before I moved to Edmonds, I shot a documentary on the development of the Focus RS. And I spent three years with the development team, went all, all over the world, the Arctic, States, three, several times, Europe. And it was, it was a fascinating product to, project to see it from the other side of the spectrum with basically, uh, and for performance is kind of like they, they almost call themselves the kind of, the, you know, they're the skunk works operation. They're allowed to break a few more rules, break a few more shortcuts. But they still, those cars still have to conform to Ford standards. And yeah. sometimes with things like RS500s and Ford GTs, you can be a little bit fast and loose with the really small number stuff. But a car like the Focus RS, which was selling, I think, 30,000 units globally, they've got to adhere to certain conditions. And then if you start offering aftermarket parts, they do too. So you can't just 
you know, I, I mean, it's no secret that they, because we told it in the story, they had problems with that RS engine when they tried to turn the power. I mean, it was actually traced to some some parts and supply issues, but it was, and they fixed it in the end. But, you know, if you were starting to really turn up the power and the boost on that without doing all that durability testing, mm-hmm. I mean, just to give you an example, Ford, I mean, this is the Focus RS. So this is a, a real niche product. They crashed 27 vehicles in order to, they destroyed 27 vehicles in order to d- deal with crash testing. It's, it's, we, it's very it's easy to knock the OEMs from this. Yeah, it's, it's very expensive. And if you're going to build an aftermarket part that meets all these criteria and all the legislative stuff as an OEM, it's a tough thing to do. And sometimes, you know, we understandably give them a hard time and say, why can't you just give us a bit bigger supercharger? But, you know, it's a, it's a big world out there. You know, it's, it's interesting. When you, when you start to break down uh, the costs of developing a vehicle, I had a conversation with, uh, with Fisker Automotive years ago when the Fisker Karma electric vehicle came out. And it's, it's a pretty looking sedan. Uh, they, they ran into really bad issues with A123, the, the battery supplier, and that kind of folded the company. And now we have Karma and then we have Fisker. We have two companies as a result. But uh, when that car came out, I remember going to um, interviewing them at like LA Auto Show or something, and I'm looking at this gorgeous four door sedan, and it's got sort of this beautiful s- solar panel kind of thing going up on the roof. And uh, we're walking through, and I said, "Hey, just out of curiosity, is it available with a sunroof?" And they said, "Well, no." And I was like, "That seems odd for a high end car." And they said, "Look," they said. For us to develop the sunroof, we'd have to recrash all of you know the cars versions of it with the sunroof. It's five million dollars minimum. So the R and D cost yeah. is at least five million dollars just in in approvals and, and government testing, crashing to do the sunroof. And for them to have a sunroof and a non sunroof version would be uh, expensive. And they're like, how many sunroofs are we going to sell? to justify that cost on a brand new car company that's just getting out the gate with their first car. And so they made a decision. They're like, no sunroof. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it was a, it was a smart financial decision. Uh, I mean, ultimately not, I guess, because the company's gone. But, uh, but, but that's what we're talking about. It's like, as soon as you do something, that actually brings up uh, the Jeep as well. Let me hit this ad, and then I want to talk about the Jeep with the 392 Hemi because – uh, there's some thoughts around crash testing and why that engine is there and not another engine, right? Uh, again, from our friends at Dodge, summertime is the best time to join the Brotherhood of Muscle because Dodge Power Dollars means you get a guaranteed discount. The math is simple. You've heard us talk about it before. You get $10 off based on the total horsepower of your new Dodge vehicle. So every 2020 Challenger, every 2020 Durango, every 2020 Dodge Charger – they all have the discount that applies. You get the most out of your horsepower this summer. And with $10 off for each horsepower, that means you can enjoy the sweet sounds of a Dodge SRT Scat Pack with 485 horsepower, and you'll get 4850 bucks off. And this summer, Dodge Power Dollars is back on the Dodge Durango. So no matter where the summer takes you, the Dodge Durango is here to make every trip this season a breeze. I love that it's available in the Durango. So if you get more power, you get more off. It's that simple. Hurry into your local Dodge dealer now to take advantage of Dodge Power Dollars. We would love the idea of a supercharged Hellcat engine or Demon engine or something in the Jeep Wrangler. Um, But from what I understand, just, I don't know, maybe the size of the engine, the addition of the the supercharger, uh, the reason why this this Jeep Wrangler concept that we have is the naturally aspirated engine is they would have to re-test and crash a bunch of Jeeps just to get that engine to work, to get the supercharged engine to work. And I don't know if the issue is is they're testing the naturally aspirated engine and crashing it, and they would have to do the supercharged engine, or they got a waiver on the naturally aspirated engine. But uh, but the issue of of why potentially the supercharged engine isn't the plan from the from the factory is largely because of that cost. Alistair, do you have thoughts on that? Have you heard anything about that? Uh, I, I, I don't know why they'd get a pass for one and not the other. Um, or maybe I, they just I, want to I crash one and not another. 
Yeah, poss- possibly so. It might also just be to do with they might have built one and found out that it's it doesn't really work in a Wrangler. You know, you're putting a hell of a lot of weight and everything else over the over the front of the vehicle. It might have just you know been understeering to the to the nearest hedge every time you try to turn left. So mm-hmm. I remember dri- once driving something called um, a V10 diesel Volkswagen, which was like that. They put so much weight over the front of the vehicle that. Basically, even at twenty miles an hour, if you turn left, the thing was just kind of understeering <laughs> off to the uh, off to the right. So, yeah, it, it could be a combination of things, or how it's it could be also load on the transmission. Can you how do you put you know how do you put that much power down through the through the Wrangler? You know, there's a it comes back to what we we're just saying. If you're an aftermarket tuner and you know that your audience is going to give you a pass on most things, you know, it's very different for an OEM offering a offering a three year warranty on this on this as a new car. And if there's so much torque and everything else, it's just going to twist up the transmission and the chassis and everything else on a Wrangler. Then you know they have to be a little bit sensible. Honestly, you I always can. Sorry, Bill. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, finish. Uh, sorry. Uh, oh, I was. I, I, I was. It's very nice to be in a conversation where people let me finish a sentence. I mean, no, it <laughs> doesn't happen at home. Um, <laughs> it, it's. Uh, you know, it's. I, I'm only joking. It, it's. Um, I can't even remember what I was going to say. Then. No, I, I was going to say was that a naturally aspirated, um, a naturally aspirated V V eight Jeep sounds like a really nice thing. Yeah, and I was going to say that you, uh, you know, you can always go the route that I am because, as you saw on Instagram, I got the big beast, big black beast back, the ninety nine Ram. Yeah, with the three ninety two crate motor, and I contacted Whipple yesterday, and uh, we're going to see about uh, supercharging that bad boy. So yeah, it obviously has a little bit more weight to the vehicle than one of those Wranglers does. There's no question about it. So um, it'll be an interesting switch for me. You're right. It, it, it could be a weight issue. It could be a packaging issue. It could certainly be a cost issue. It could be a warranty issue, durability issue. It all starts to add up. So maybe the smart move would be, you're right, the naturally aspirated engine. And of course, the aftermarket's going to do what the aftermarket's going to do. There's going to be superchargers and all sorts of things available for it. Uh, and they could have something down the road to trumpet, right? You know, I mean, that's always a possibility. So, I mean, God only knows what's up their sleeve. The other problem, it may not fit because I think they've already had to modify the front end to get the V8 in there. Uh, my guess is, is, is I was thinking that as well. I think it was probably a clearance issue, and they're probably trying to move that V8 engine as back far as possible into the firewall and, and where the top of the supercharger may hit. I haven't really seen the images of the engine in that Jeep. Uh, you know, and even what's out there, I don't know if it's a photograph or just a rendering that was released, uh, uh, released by, uh, by Jeep, but it could be a packaging issue as well. So, um, uh, tough to say, you know, but it seems, it seems interesting. Do we know what the estimated horsepower is supposed to be? I don't recall which version of the engine, 425, 470, something along. It's in the four hundreds. I can't imagine. I can't remember exactly. But it's, it's it's in the four hundreds. I want to say around four fifty, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know without checking exactly. What is the horsepower of 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 the base Jeep Wrangler now? The very base one two. Or what's their the V six or the high yeah. two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what their V six engine is. It, it's yeah. going to be similar to Bronco, so high twos. Bronco starts at 270 or 310 so it's going to be you know these things all mirror each other. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be you're right. I would imagine it's going to be very similar. Um and now as far as uh one of the questions that came up from a friend of ours uh, uh, uh Steve Austin sent me a text and it's like, "Hey, Bronco looks good. Would I fit in it?" And and Alistair, being one of the few who have seen it, your your team has done a film on it. Uh, what is the size of of the Bronco two door, four door? We know the Bronco Sport is the size of Escape, and Escape we we already know is 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 tiny. Uh, what do you think is going to be like? What kind of room is on the inside? I'm not talking about with the doors off, but is the broad shoulder buddy up there going to fit in it? It's a pretty wide vehicle. You know, what, what's interesting about it is that, unlike the Jeep, my understanding is they're not going to try and sell it in Europe. And th- that, that's often part of the, the balance that Europe can't cope with bigger, wider cars. So they've, they've really developed this vehicle for the U.S. 
So um, it's interesting. Again, I, I mean, I'm six four. I'm, I haven't sat in it, but I don't have anything. You know, my shoulders are um, half the width. But uh, <laughs> but I, I think they're going to build. They build this for the U.S. market, so I expect it to be pretty spacious. So without, I mean, the jeeps. If you're tall, the jeep is reasonably tight, just because you don't get a you don't get a, a constant, you don't get a massive amount of, of driving seat travel. But uh, I would imagine I would imagine it fit because this is a U.S. car. Yeah, that's an interesting point. That's uh, that's good to know. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, is there anything else that we're missing? Any notes to close on? What else is going on over at uh, Edmonds? Uh, obviously, there's a lot more things that are coming out right now. There was a big announcement last night as we're recording this from Nissan. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure there's going to be stuff coming out with that. Nissan, by the way, new logo, new car, new EV, you know, sort of a a, a, a slimmed down, more focused company, I guess. Uh uh, you know. Well, I'm literally, I'm literally leaving now to bolt to um to an air, to a private airport to film. Uh, we've got a, a a new Rogue in the hangar, so we've just uh, I'm about to go and film a film a piece on the new Rogue, which looks a hell of a lot more interesting than the um than the old Rogue. That's a kind of CRV Rav Four rival. Mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, everything's starting to happen now. It's going to be a super busy NDOs is plotting out our video schedule for the for the rest of the year and. You know, Defender's about to hit next month. Uh, so we've got, you know, Wranglers and stuff lined up against that. F-150 will be the end of the year. Yeah. Mackie will be the end of the year. You know, there's there's a lot of Ford stuff, a lot of Jeep stuff in our in our calendar right now. And, you know, really exciting, exciting end of the year. So you've got a whole new chance to abuse me. <laughs> well we're gonna that have you go unnoticed man. we're gonna have yeah, you keep coming back um all right listen alistair always a pleasure when you're on the show we're gonna have to touch base again soon uh guys follow uh alistair weaver he's on twitter he's alistair weaver on twitter he's weaver on cars on Instagram. That's the new fancy handle that he's got going on over there. Check out Edmonds. Uh, go to edmonds.com slash road noise. That's where all the hot news is and the latest videos. And then, of course, Edmonds has all the great research and stuff that you're looking for for all of these vehicles. Uh, you can follow me at Motorator on all social media, Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter, Goldberg95. Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. You can see pictures of the fancy new garage. I love that. The video from Metron. You can see the uh, the completely uh, Rhino Line or Line X 99 uh, Dodge that you just got back. We talked about this long ago. A Graveyard Cars is working on it, and now that you got it back, you're like, great, it's home. Let's supercharge it. So uh, there's, there's no All I got to do is find the title. All I got to do is find the title, and I can tag it, and I can drive the damn thing. <laughs> Well, so I've waited two and a half years for it. Now I can't drive the freaking car. Well, in the meantime, you've got me now. In the meantime, you've got two hundred acres of your private land or whatever the hell you got out there. You could just tool it around on your own property, right? You don't this need a license plate. Scares for that. the hell out of every one of these animals, man. I can't do it. So I just like it sucks. I need a silencer on it. Yeah, right. So I, I watched the rendering. Yeah, uh, the, the rendering of that garage and had like a, a massive man crush on that garage. Yeah, yeah. I can't mm. wait to get out there and visit it. It's going to be uh, fantastic. Uh, all right, guys. Thank um, you guys. Uh, I, can't wait to, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. What Did they give you a time frame now? They're like, oh, now that we're, we got pen to paper, we'll see you in 40 years? Or are they going to get this done quick? Quit freaking, quit asking me, man. Just stop asking They have me. no idea. Yeah, they now. don't know. It's they everything don't know put, now it's snowing. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Maybe, uh, on, maybe on next week's episode. All right. Oh, oh, next week, I think we've got uh, we've got Speedcore calling on. we got David uh, Salvaggio uh, maybe coming in. Just give a cool. little update. Cool, we can get an update on the, on the Charger. Yeah, you know, and we, we touched on their partnership with Classic Recreations, doing a full carbon fiber uh, 67 awesome. Mustangs that they're going to be doing turnkey from Classic They got some new stuff oh, out God. for, so, the, for, so the, much cool for stuff. the vet and everything. Yeah, CA Corvette uh, carbon fiber bits as well. Yeah, oh, that's nice. That's, sorry, that's one of the news. C8 Corvette, our C8 Corvette is being built literally right now. Rolls off the production line today. I I have I haven't driven one of these. You got to get it. You got to come over. We've got to go for a ride. I don't know when they're going to be the press schedule with these cars, uh, but uh, everybody's asking, how do you like it? How do you like it? And I said, I don't know. As soon as Alistair gets one, we'll tell you. We'll tell you how we like it, and uh, we'll we'll definitely have to talk about that. 
Uh, all right, guys, thank you so much. And until next time, uh, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Always a pleasure when we have uh, Alistair on the show and be sure to check out what he's got going on. And uh, just a reminder right now, the Geico is offering an extra 15% on credit, a 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's 15% on top of the money Geico could already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? You could be saving money. Just go to Geico. There's never been a better time to switch. If you want to save an extra 15%, switch by October 7th. No problem. Visit Geico.com to learn more. That's Geico.com.